Welcome to Uncomplicating Weight Loss and Life. I'm your host, Eva Rodriguez, proud Latina, single mom, certified life coach, and weight loss coach. I'm here to help high-achieving boss women lose their weight for the last damn time and up-level their lives. When it comes to your health, weight loss, and this thing called life, I'm not saying it'll always be easy, but it doesn't have to be complicated. All right, my friends, I need you to stop what you're doing and listen up. If you are a busy woman whose New Year's resolution is to finally lose those stubborn pounds for good, I have the perfect solution for you. I'm hosting a five-day January Jumpstart Your Weight Loss Challenge beginning on January 16th. You may be wondering, why not January 1st? Let's be real here. Most of us are still recovering from the end of the year shenanigans, getting our kids ready to go back to school, and dealing with our work responsibilities to genuinely focus on our health and weight loss the first week of January. In fact, the second Friday in January is known as International Quitters Day because studies have found that about two thirds of people abandon their New Year's resolution before they even get to the third week of January. But not my listeners. You're gonna spend five days learning from me, working out with me, and being coached by me for free. If you wanna learn how to lose weight without complicated rules or restrictions, without starving yourself, and without going to those crowded ass gyms, sign up and join me from January 16th through January 20th. Here's what you'll get from this immersive challenge. My jumpstart guide filled with weight loss tips that will keep you on track the entire week long. My very own 20 minute strength training workout videos so that you can work out with me even if you're a beginner my holiday reset meal plan so you know exactly what to eat, my favorite simple mindfulness tools, a chance to ask me your burning questions and to get coached out of your self-sabotaging excuses, and a dedicated challenge website so that you can go at your own pace. This is a rare chance to work with me and set yourself up for success in 2023. Register now at eva.fit forward slash new year and I'll send you my home gym guide so that you'll have plenty of time to gather everything you need to get started. And don't worry, you don't need a lot of equipment. I'll see you on January 16th. My guest today is a board certified physician specializing in integrative medicine, palliative care, and psychiatry. Dr. Anjali D'Souza prioritizes healing the whole person rather than just one specific concern. And she is passionate about helping people live in their most vital state. She's an expert in women's health, autoimmunity, digestive dysfunction, nutritional medicine, and metabolic optimization. Dr. D'Souza is an advocate for integrating practices like yoga, meditation, and mindfulness into healthcare treatment plans. And she believes in helping patients liberate the best versions of themselves. Dr. D'Souza is the founder and director of the District Center for Integrative Medicine, where her team of physicians heal patients through a deeply individualized and holistic approach to health. Welcome to the show, Dr. Anjali D'Souza. Thank you for being here. So let's just dive right in. Tell us how does a holistic integrative medicine differ from, let's say, a general practitioner? 
This is a great question, and I think a question that a lot of people have. Um, the general medical model is really based on acute care. It wants to kind of diagnose, name, and treat a problem, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is perfect if you've got an acute condition. But unfortunately, most of us, the majority of us, are dealing with chronic medical issues, maybe with a diagnosis, and sometimes without a name, right? Mm -hmm. And in these situations, you need somebody to be curious, you need somebody to think outside of the box, include things like nutrition, lifestyle, exercise in your treatment plan to really be able to give you a comprehensive approach that's actually gonna make you better, mm -hmm. right? In an acute setting, a conventional medical appointment, you are lucky if you have 12 minutes with your doctor. That is lucky, right? we usually spend at least 90 minutes in an intake, so you can imagine the difference as far as the amount we can connect and gather information. It's very different. Yes. Who would you say could benefit from going down the integrative medicine path? Yeah, another really good question, Eva. I think that people that are wanting to look for the highest level of wellness would be one path, right? So these are people that are like the hackers, the optimizers, the folks that are like, I wanna get in the game and know ahead of time, what can I do to have the longest, most healthy life possible, right? And then I think the other bucket is folks that have failed the conventional medical model. So they have gone to the doctor and maybe they've gone to 10 doctors and five specialists and they still feel like shit, mm -hmm. right? This is really an approach that can benefit a person like that. Yeah, I love it. What would, you, what would be your advice to people who've maybe been putting off going to the doctor because they're just dreading a diagnosis or they're dreading maybe they're gonna be told you need to lose weight but they're not given any additional tips on how to do that. What would you, what would yeah, you say? Yeah, well, I mean, I think this dovetails into where you started, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, who should go see the integrative or functional medicine doctor? Um, I think on the one hand, if you decide you wanna to commit to that, you're going to have a different experience. You are going to have a partner in your care versus a lecturer that's gonna kinda tell you, this is where you messed up and this is what's wrong. And by the way, I have nothing because I have no time to talk to you about how to fix it. Mm -hmm. So bye-bye, right? I think that can be an avenue. I also think health coaches can be a wonderful way to tap into, let me get my food dialed in. Let me figure out what the right exercise is. Let me optimize myself as far as I can before I walk into the doctor's mm -hmm. office mm -hmm. and then see what they have to offer me. Because I really believe that knowledge is power, right? If we have information, we can make change that's positive. Um, and it can be scary, but there's always a path out of it into a good place. Yes. A lot of my clients first come to me and they're frustrated by this idea that our weight is determined by what we eat, calories in, calories out, what mm -hmm. we eat and how much we exercise. Mm -hmm. And they've done all of the things, but it's not working for them, yeah. right? What would you say to a client that comes to you or a patient that comes to you saying, I've done all these things, but the weight's not budging. Mm -hmm. I don't feel better. Like something's not working. Like mm -hmm. where do we start from diagnosing that? Well, I mean, I honestly ask people to suspend their obsession with the number on the scale for a little bit because 
it is true that there is a calorie in, calorie out piece of it, mm -hmm. but it's not the entirety of the equation. And so for me, if I had the luxury of working with that person, I would really want to you know, bring them in, take that whole history that starts from birth to current in, in my approach and understand like what's the influence of toxins, what's the influence of trauma, what's the influence of sleep and stress and all these other factors and then do a deep dive on laboratories. So hormones, especially when we're talking about women, mm -hmm. right? And I don't just mean estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, I mean cortisol and insulin yep. are all big players, right? And what's happening with your success around mm -hmm. weight loss. Speaking on stress, what happens in our bodies mm -hmm. when we experience stress? The thing that I find that's really interesting, especially around here in the DMV, which is there are so many high achieving folks mm -hmm. and they, have just learned to live with a level of stress that they think is normal, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say like most people feel like that buzz feeling in their head and kind of a sense of agitation, but I think many of us have actually adapted out of not even noticing that, right? Like we're so used to functioning at this super high level that we're not so in tune with those subtle signs that maybe could clue us into the fact that we're in trouble. Under the hood, physiologically, you're having a rise in a hormone called cortisol, and kind of like a, a little dance comes along with adrenaline and its friends that are essentially, you know, creating this like perfect storm for you to have if we're talking about weight, right? More belly weight that you're gonna gain, a difficulty in kind of getting into that zone in your nervous system that tells your brain, it's actually okay to lose weight right now, right? So there are all these little variables that will literally get in the way of you getting into the body that you want when you're under stress. And part of it is just, you have to assume, I'm under high stress, period. Because most of the people I work with are like, I got, I'm good, I don't have stress, I'm fine. Like, that's not my thing. Yeah. Actually, it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Absolutely, because we're so used to like, just being on, on yes. at all times. Yes. And then we don't realize, I tell my clients all the time, it's like, if you're under a lot of stress, your body will hold on the fat mm -hmmm. so fast, because it's like, like uh-oh. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yes. we're in trouble, yes. let's hold on to this extra fat, yes. especially It's especially an insurance here. policy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how would you say stress affects, so I know you mentioned cortisol, mm -hmm. how does it affect our cravings yeah. and things like metabolism mm -hmm. and the unhealthy habits that we're mm -hmm. just kind of naturally falling into? Yes, great question. So, you know, besides some of those kind of like physical things that I mentioned, when you're having that stress response, you're tapping your liver every time, you're knocking on the door of the liver and, you're, and the liver's like, oh no, bad shit is happening, right? And it's gonna send out glucose as a protective response because if you think about from an evolutionary perspective, in those stress times, your body was getting ready to like run, right? Now we're kind of like sitting at our desk typing away and yet we're having that same response, right? Glucose is flooding our system and we have a consequent insulin response which is gonna bring glucose down. But as you're in that roller coaster, you're also grabbing for the Krispy Kreme donut mm -hmm. because you're like, ooh, I need to feed that roller coaster that I'm on because it kind of feels good in the moment. I mean, it obviously doesn't have good consequences yeah. in the long term, but it feels good in the moment, right? It actually feels like what you need in that moment. Yes. So what would you say, maybe a few tips on how we stop the stress cycle with the weight gain? Like yeah. what, what are some things that we could just do 
right away. It's like, mm-hmm. let's let's stop the stress cycle mm-hmm. of just like constant looping there. Yes. Well, I mean, I think number one is admit that you have stress in your life. <laughs> um, so that's really important. You just have to assume that it's there. And I think number two, Um, You know, I love meditation and mindfulness, Mm -hmm. but not everybody does. And when I talk to them about it, many people are kind of like, well, I I don't know how to do that, or I'm not good at meditation, or my thoughts are always running. And, you know, I first want to normalize, that's okay too. That's actually all of us are on that journey, right? But if we can kind of allow for that to be part of it, and then play, be playful with what's your form of mindfulness? For me, it is actually sitting and closing my eyes and taking some deep breaths. For Eva, it might be, I'm gonna go on a gentle walking meditation. Mm -hmm. For someone else, it might be, I really need to listen to vibratory sounds from a drum and that's really relaxing for me. Um, So being curious about it and then I like, like, tagging my mindfulness practices to something that I already am doing. Right. So, you gotta pee in the day, we all do, right? Every time you go pee, like take a minute, maybe it's the four, seven, eight breath and say, okay, I'm peeing and I'm gonna breathe in for four, hold for seven, breathe out for eight. If you do that a couple of times in the day, by the end of the day, you've meditated for 10 minutes in a day, right? Because it's gotta be accessible. Yes. Yes, because I always tell my clients also, it's like if it's too, if it's not doable, you won't do it's it. It's not gonna happen. You will, you'll do it two times and yep. be like, Mm-mm, I can't do That's this right. shit. Mm-mm. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay, so I know we talked about hormones briefly. Yeah. What do we need to know about how our home hormones actually affect our weight gain? Yes. So I mean, I think there's there's an intricate cycle between insulin and cortisol and your sex hormones. I think of the triad of metabolic health kind of being at the top of all things, and it will feed down into cortisol, into your sex hormones. So if the metabolic piece, the insulin piece, is not dialed in, you're gonna have higher cortisol responses, that's gonna put you in a feed-forward cycle around glucose and poor metabolic health, and as you're in that cycle, it's gonna lower your sex hormones, so you're gonna be Honestly, this may not be specifically metabolic, but you're gonna be, as a woman, more likely to have PMS, more predisposed to PCOS, having hormone dysfunction is gonna be more likely in those situations. So I think dialing in the metabolic piece, actually so much goodness flows Mm -hmm. from there. Is there anything we can do about that? Like, is there anything that, just if someone doesn't have access to some to a yep. doctor like you, what yep. could, what can they do? Yeah, so I think on the food and metabolic side, I think there are four things that are quite accessible, um, and I like alliterations, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in that form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think number one is to really ban the barcode, right? And I don't mean like be hardcore and like militant, but in general, if something is coming in a box and has a barcode, mm-hmm. it's not gonna serve you. Right, so we really wanna ban the barcode. Number two would be to prioritize protein. If you're getting your protein right, all of the rest of your macronutrients are gonna fall into place pretty naturally without you having to obsessively count and put things into a tracker. So for a woman, I mean, ideally, I would say 90 to 100 grams of protein a day, but I think if you're starting at 30 grams, then 50 is a win, you know? Mm -hmm. So you gotta start where you are, but really prioritizing that protein as part of your nutritional profile is really important. And then number three, I say, would be like, get really friendly with fat and with fiber, right? There's still some of this, it's starting to change a little bit, but there's a little bit of a, 
a worry still about fat, right? I, I can't, yeah, I have this conversation, especially with women all the time about how they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can eat that thing, it has so much fat in it. But healthy fats, right, non-inflammatory, non-industrial seed oils are so good for you and they are gonna really help you stabilize your blood sugar, right? So if you switch to that, that's really helpful. And then fiber is gonna like slow down the digestive process so that you're not sending out that glucose into your periphery super fast. It's like very steady flow out. You're gonna be satiated for longer and be able to go longer in your day without feeling like you need to munch on something. And then the last thing that I would say, and maybe this could be the first thing that people try, is just pivot towards more savory. So switch to a more savory template, right? If your usual breakfast is a cereal or a croissant, like what is something that you love that's gonna still bring you joy that is slightly more in the savory direction, right? And even if you just do that baby pivot, that's a huge win for your metabolic health. So I wanna back up a little bit because you mentioned stress and hormones and trauma. Mm. And I'm thinking about the woman that comes to your office that said, I've tried all the things. Mm. I do, I follow everything that I'm supposed to do. I work out and I eat well, the weight is not budging. Mm. Talk to us about how trauma affects our weight loss journey. Mm -hmm. So actually trauma is acting through that cortisol mechanism. Mm -hmm. It acts through what we call the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. And oftentimes, you know, on initial intake with someone, it may not be that someone feels safe enough or maybe it's not fully conscious mm -hmm. the, the level of trauma that they've experienced. So even though I may have all this information about them, it may not be something that's so clear to me that trauma is a part of the story, right? So I'm doing my usual medical dance with them, I've got the diagnostics, I may see on the lab work that there is some imbalance of cortisol, but because as I said before, that could come from stress, it could come from sleep deprivation. You know, I work in it from that angle, and there are some specific treatments that you can also use. But when I do all the things, and I see nothing is moving, usually it clues me to say, I need to go back and have another conversation with this person. There's something that we're missing. And in my experience in the last 15 years, I would say 99% of the time there is trauma in that story mm -hmm. that either was unconscious to them or was very conscious but was not something that they thought was either relevant or they wanted to share with me. Right, um, And it may not be that I then have the answer for that piece, but at least we can talk about like how can we support this part of your story, of your body, mm -hmm. to make sure that we address it so that you can get this other goal of your weight loss. Right, right. But it is acting through that cortisol mechanism, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's really important for us to just normalize as well that it's it, it doesn't mean that you have to be ashamed that you have this trauma. It doesn't mean that anything's wrong with you, no. but it does play a part yes. on this journey. Because I'm thinking of a specific client that I have that mm -hmm. literally it, she follows She's everything to things. a T, yeah. but has had such a hard like last few years, mm -hmm. and that continues to come up, continues to come yes. up. And a lot of people just think it's like, no, it's just, that's emotional stuff. But the emotional weight has such a bearing it's so on the physical. so interconnected. Yes, it's always interconnected, yes, absolutely. absolutely. And I would say just one last point on that, which is some people assume that you've got to be like the Vietnam vet trauma mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. it to be trauma, real trauma. But if you experience something as difficult, it is trauma, yes. right? And your body has gone through something difficult that we need to honor and respect. Yes, absolutely. And our body remembers everything. Keeps 100%. the score. Keeps yeah. the score. So I know we, we mentioned, um, 
protein mm-hmm. and fiber mm-hmm. being very important and the barcodes, which I love because I'm always telling my clients, let's stay away from those processed foods, yes. sugar and flour. Let's, let's stay away from those. What about our vegans mm-hmm. when it comes to protein? Because it sounds like a lot of protein, and I think our, some of our vegan listeners might be like, oh, shit, how am I going to get that much protein? Yeah. Well, first I want to say I love everyone, and I support everyone on their path. But I'm also going to be really honest to say that it is almost impossible to be vegan and hit that protein requirement without taking your carbs through the roof. Because if you think about it, right, it's really it's beans, it's your legumes, it's your peas. Um, and to get 100 grams of protein from a vegan diet, it's not impossible. I've definitely worked very meticulously with people that really want to stay with that nutritional template, and I respect that, but it's hard. And it ends up being that most of the time your calories are going to push way more than what is actually optimal for you. Mm-hmm. So it's a tension point. I mean, I, I used to be vegetarian for a very long part of my life, and I just could not keep up with my needs by even with a vegetarian template, not even a vegan template. So I switched over and I really champion a more kind of omnivore approach to eating that's that's plant forward and you know veggie heavy, but it's hard to do it in a vegan template, I'll yeah. be honest. I love that plant forward. I've never heard that. I'm gonna start using, <laughs> gonna start using that now. Plant forward, okay. What should we be asking ourselves? to determine, or maybe our physician, to determine if we do have a hormonal imbalance. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of women aren't aware mm-hmm. of what, what, like, where do we do? Where do we even start? Is it blood work? Is it like, where do we go? I mean, I have so much to say here. I mean, first of all, so many women are on the birth control pill, right? So if you're on the birth control pill, let me give you a newsflash. You have no idea what's going on with your hormones, if that's true. And it's not a judgment, and I think it works for many people. But, you know, that's one thing to be aware of, that we have no clue what your natural health of your hormones is if you're on birth control. Outside of that, I think if you're a woman pushing into your 30s and you are what Mark Hyman says in the feel like crap syndrome, FLC syndrome, right? Um, Very likely there is a hormone piece to that. Now it may not be in the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone pathway, but it certainly could be in the cortisol and insulin pathway. Um, So, you know, things that are kind of shy of diagnostic, if you go to the doctor and you're like, my hair is falling out and I feel tired all the time. And like, what's going on that I like, my skin is just kind of like not so optimal anymore. Uh, That's probably not a diagnosis. It probably doesn't have a name, but it probably is some level of hormone dysfunction that's there that Mm -hmm. we can support. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I remember going to my doctor saying, my hair is starting to Mm -hmm. thin. I don't know what it is. So we did blow work. They're like, you're fine. I'm like, but, yeah. but my hair is starting to thin. Yes. <laughs> what do are, I do? Are you hearing me? <laughs> did, yeah. you, did you not hear what I said? My hair is starting to thin. This is a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So well, and let me say one other mm-hmm. thing on that. Like reference ranges on a laboratory report are really based on the population average, right? So if the population is sick, you're, you're going to be potentially in the reference mm-hmm. range and yet not be feeling well. And our population is sick. So, you know, really when you're working, here's another tidbit about an integrative or functional medicine doctor, we're thinking about what are the optimal references ranges versus like, are you in the entirety of a reference range, right? It's a very big difference. Interesting. Okay. I, that I didn't know. So that, that, that I think it's important for the listeners to really pay attention to that, yes. that the reference that we're, it's like we're being compared to sick, to sick people. people. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, to say it includes sick people in that yeah. reference range. So when your doctor says, well, it's normal, okay, well, that's fair. You technically are in the reference range, mm -hmm. but it's probably not normal for you. Right. It's not optimal for you, yes. right? Absolutely. Okay, so we talked about hormones. Tell us a little bit about, as women, as we start getting a little bit older, our hormones start to change as we get to late 30s, early 40s. What are some things that we can do to prepare ourselves for aging and, and eventually menopause? I love this question, and I think it's a really important one because we need to be champion and you know empowering women to take charge of their health, right? Menopause does not have to be this doom and gloom situation that a lot of our society acts as if it is. So the first thing that I would say is if you're in your late 30s and certainly in your 40s, really look for a different form of contraception other than the oral birth control pill. Um, obviously, you need to do what you need to do to protect against pregnancy, but if you can be in a natural state with your hormones, you're really going to give yourself and your practitioner a huge opportunity to learn about your function. So if you're starting to have symptoms in your 40s, right, you're getting fatigued, you're noticing your cycle is shortening, you have huge PMS, and these are things that might be masked if you're on the birth control pill, right? If you're having those things, then this is a time to raise your hand and say, look, I'm starting to notice some stuff happening with my cycle, what can I do? And you know, I will say, you may not find much with your conventional medical doctor, but certainly with a holistic integrative functional medicine doctor, there is so much that we can do with lifestyle and nutrition and targeted supplements and nutrients and botanicals. So if you incline your body towards health and optimal functioning in your 40s, then menopause is like a non-event, right? So that would be number one. And number two would be lift big weights, right? Resistance train for the win. Um, we are on a steady decline with our muscle mass, basically as we move into our 30s. So you're kind of going against this loss all the time. And if you're not also putting muscle on because you're lifting big weights and you're getting that 90 grams of protein in a day, then your muscle mass is going down. That means your ability to manage calories and glucose is going down. That means you are gonna be much more likely to gain that pooch around your belly, the brain fog, you know, as you move towards menopause, the hot flashes, the whole shebang, mm -hmm. right? So those would be my two top tips if you are kind of in your late 30s into your 40s and really wanna have the smoothest time as you move towards menopause. I love that because I always tell my clients, as, as also a personal trainer, I say, less cardio and more strength training. So you've heard it here from a doctor <laughs> to fucking lift weights, okay? What would you say to women who are afraid to lift weights because they are afraid they're gonna get too bulky mm -hmm. or something along those mm -hmm. lines? I would say that's impossible, it's physiologically impossible. There are women obviously that are looking to be bodybuilders and if you want to commit every minute of your life to you know looking jacked, you could. Um, but there's nothing that any of us are doing in the maybe you hit the gym one hour a day if you're lucky lifting big weights that is going to turn you into a hulk. All that's going to happen is you'll be You'll be more defined, you'll have more muscle mass compared to fat mass on your body, you'll be metabolically fit, your brain will be on point, and your hormones will be happy. So I cannot recommend anything more than heavy lifting. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I'm always, I'm literally constantly telling my clients because they think no, it's, everybody wants it's to scary. do an hour on the treadmill, and right. I'm like, no, 10 yes. minutes, and yes. then go lift. Yes, <laughs> then go I lift. agree 100%. Yes.
Thank you. So tell us about, you've talked about metabolic health a little bit. Mm -hmm. For someone that has no idea what that means, what is metabolic health? Oh, yeah, what a great question. So we, we kind of throw this term around metabolic health a lot, right, mm -hmm. especially nowadays. And I think most people assume that metabolic health or metabolism is really kind of like, are you someone who's skinny or are you someone who's not skinny, right? Like, are you, do you get to get away with eating lots of food and stay slim or not? Um, and that may be part of it, but fundamentally, your metabolism is literally the process of how you bring in food and what is done to that food to move it into biochemical reactions that at the end spit out ATP or the energy currency of our body, right? And if that process is moving smoothly, then you'll have good energy Energy, you'll have good brain function, you will probably also look the way that you want to. And if that process is not working well, all of those things will not be true. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other benefits that ultimately affect our metabolic health and our weight loss besides the actual dropping of pounds? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, poor metabolic health, I mean, first of all, nine out of 10 Americans are considered metabolically unfit, right? They have markers that show that they are not in a state of metabolic health, whether that's their insulin markers or their glucose markers or their hemoglobin A1C. Um, so that's just like, an alarming fact to take hold of, right? Like this is a very rampant problem. And when we think about health conditions, your poor metabolic health is connected to your risk of Alzheimer's disease and cognitive dysfunction. It is connected to your risk around autoimmune disease. It's connected to your risk around hormone dysfunction, cardiometabolic diseases. Um, I could go on. I mean, cancer, etc. It's really, I would say at the center of a root cause for all disease that we deal with here in the West. How does yo-yo dieting affect our metabolic health? Yeah, great question. So there's so many different access points to that. I think one fundamental one is through the stress response, right? As you're yo-yo dieting, you are basically putting a lot of stress on your body and it is going to have those cortisol responses, right? So you're gonna have cortisol imbalances, glucose imbalances, and then you're gonna have times of kind of like famine and maybe you know where you're not feeding and because you went from such an extreme to another extreme, that's gonna be another stress response, right? Not to mention, I think, digestively, you start to kind of like, basically suppress your body's innate ability to have proper hunger and satiety cues, such that later, you lose that very intuitive gift that we're given to know when you need to eat and when you don't need to eat. And it just exacerbates the cycle. It just becomes even more feed forward where eating becomes a mental game instead of just a, oh, I'm hungry, let me eat. Or actually, no, I'm full and I'm good, yes, right? Yes. And last question, how can we, what are some things that we could do to start to improve our metabolic health? Yeah, so I think the, the list that we shared earlier, kind of the, the alliteration list on food, so you know, to bar the band codes, to switch to savory, to prioritize protein, to get friendly with your fiber and your fat, I mean, I think those are really the foundational pieces. Um, if we're putting a little extra icing on the cake, I think that food sequencing and fasting can be some other tools that people play around with. Um, the data is a little bit mixed on whether you know time-restricted eating actually is going to improve insulin responses, but the bottom line is it certainly helps with giving digestive rest to your body. There may be some benefits to 
in autophagy, so killing off of dead cells in your body, and just from a very simple perspective, not having to think about food for a little bit can sometimes just be a nice break for people. So instead of getting into the like, is this good, is this bad? What should I eat, what should I not? It's like, okay, I just don't eat in the morning and I have a nice cup of tea and call it a day, right? So fasting can be an additional tool. Food sequencing I also think can be really helpful and very accessible, right? So instead of thinking about eating, let's say just your carbohydrates naked as the glucose goddess would say, right? You're gonna wanna put your, your carbs with some protein and some fat to make sure that it's a stable meal for you to have. So, you know, thinking about those food sequencing tricks can be really great. And then, you know, these are my last little ones that I would say maybe you talk to your doctor about, but a continuous glucose monitor can be a really cool, like next level um, intervention for people to really get that immediate individualized feedback of how do I feel with certain foods? Because there's nothing more powerful than connecting it back to how am I doing in my body, right? Instead of making it a rule-based kind of like algorithm, it's like, does this serve me or does this not serve me, right? Mm -hmm. And a continuous glucose monitor can do that. And then I would say two other cool things would be berberine and acromancia, which I can say more about if that's interesting. Yes, what is that? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so berberine is basically a, um, a plant-based medicine that's been around in Chinese medicine approaches for probably thousands of years. And we use it here in current day more integrative medicine um, as it has a really powerful impact on glucose metabolism. If you've ever heard of the medicine called metformin, which we use a lot in the actual treatment of diabetes, it's basically nature's metformin. Mm -hmm. So it works through the same mechanism, but without all the side effects, and can really be helpful in moving the needle for someone who is really metabolically unfit, is doing all the things, but needs a little bit more of a gentle push, Got right? It. And then acromantia is super cool. It's, um, it's a probiotic, so it's a kind of bug. It's a special bug that sits in the mucin layer of your GI tract. And it actually like works to improve kind of the, the permeability of the GI tract. Um, so it can be helpful for people that are dealing with leaky gut or intestinal permeability. But what we now have some data around is that it acts as like a glucagon peptide in some ways. So it improves glucose metabolism. So we know that the microbiome has this kind of like mediating effect on your metabolism and on glucose. And it looks that acromancia is playing that role. So there are all these like high dollar medicines, injectables now that people are using for weight loss that act through this mechanism, the glucagon-like peptide mechanism. And it seems that this probiotic is doing something similar, but it's just a little probiotic. So we'll see. There's really good data on lowering hemoglobin A1C and improving glucose post-eating um, in some clinical trials. So. We'll see where it goes, but it's very exciting. That is amazing. So Dr. D'Souza, I know we're based in DC. So for our listeners who are not yes. in the DC area, who cannot have access to you, yeah. how can they find someone similar to you? Is there like a website that they can look up yes. or do they just Google integrative medicine and then put their city? How? What's yes. a good way to find that? Great question. So 
First of all, we will work with people that are not in the DMV if they're able to come at least for one appointment live so we can establish care with them. So that is an option depending on the condition and depending on what state you're in. So keep that in mind. But I think as a general place to go, the Institute for Functional Medicine has a find a practitioner tab that will allow you to put in where you are, your zip code, and pull up all the providers that have been trained similarly to myself so that you can get a very similar approach. Um, and then I would also just shamelessly plug that um, I do have more of a, a side offering that I'm developing now for people that could be anywhere in the world but are looking to tap into this more functional medicine approach um, where I'm not your specific doctor but I'm providing the kind of support and advice nutritional lifestyle and otherwise in a, in a network called Your Goddess Health Unleashed. So I think there's lots of places to to go if you need the help. Amazing. Where can our viewers and our listeners find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Anjali D'Souza MD. That's pretty much where I post. I'm on Facebook as well, District Center for Integrative Medicine, but I'll be honest, it's really, I'm an Instagram girl. Um, so that's where you can find me. Awesome, thank you so much for taking what the time. What a pleasure, yeah. It so, it was just, I'm, I'm sitting here like, oh my gosh, this yes. is so interesting. It, and it was such a great chat, it was so lovely to chat with you. Thank you so yeah. much, and I will be seeing you in a few months. I look I am, forward I am not one of her clients. I'm one of her patients. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish all of you the best on your health journey. Thank you. And that's all for today. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning in and trusting that none of this has to be complicated. You can have the health, the body, and the life that you've always desired. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Find me on Instagram and YouTube at It's Eva Rodriguez so that I can support you on your journey of uncomplicating weight loss and life.